0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of That Reminds Me Of. What is this? That was very public
1: radio. Yeah. Okay.
0: Hi, welcome to the first episode of That Reminds Me Of. That's even more public radio. But it was a bit happier, yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was you, it was it was happier. You try. All right. You're
1: listening to That Reminds Me Of, the podcast about films and what they remind us of. And what do they remind us of? Those remind us of other films and books and stuff.
0: But mainly films, mainly films. and a few books and other stuff. Do we need another drink? You're listening to Yes, We Do. Yeah. Yes, We Do. Welcome to episode one of That Reminds Me Of, the podcast where Baron and the Doc have a few drinks, talk about films, but also talk about the films that the film reminded them of. no. You're listening to That
1: Reminds Me of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film.
0: You're here with Baron and the Doc. I think I think we could actually use what we've got and just show show us trying to work it out. Absolutely, yeah. For the for the first episode, yeah, yeah. And then we
1: figure it out, and for the rest of the episodes we can go with it. Okay, yeah. You know what? Should we leave it there? And leave move it there, on? and then we'll, we'll get a drink.
0: We'll, yeah, let's let's get a drink and come back after the intro. Okay, sounds good. Yeah.
1: This is episode one, so I think it's important that we say who we are and where we've come from, but I think first of all, what we need to do is to tell our listeners what this show is, why they should care, what we're trying to achieve with it, why we care, basically. Why we decided to get together in this slightly overheated uh, (laughs) room and make this podcast today.
0: I think because we, we talk about this at work.
1: We're both slightly... Jaded. Jaded. uh, (laughs) Repressed (laughs) creatives.
0: Repressed creatives. I like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This is partly an excuse for us to catch up, see a movie together, then talk about it and geek out on it and maybe share it with other people
0: along the way. That's right. I can't remember a time when I would have talked about something about a film in its own right, whether it's good or bad, without saying... Oh, that's better than this, or it's worse than that, or it's you know uh, takes from this, or it's the same color as that. Exactly.
1: Well, I, I guess because you know when I was um, you know just just a little kid, I started making my way through the video store collections, and then I worked in a video store for my as my first job, and then a DVD store, and so over all that period of time, I just saw tons of films, and so I can't I can't now possibly watch a film without thinking about that catalogue, you know, and referencing. And I love doing that. Not everybody likes doing that. You know, some people, when you tell them about a film and then start riffing off, there reminds a little bit of this film from that. Do you remember back in the day, um, you know, Bill Murray was in this thing? And, and people <laughs> just start glazing over, like they're not interested. Uh, other people, like you, you just... Go yeah, that's right, and and also this film, and suddenly we've got this great conversation going.
0: And I'm devastatingly interested in what you've got to say, <laughs> because generally <laughs> you've seen more films than me. Ah, uh, and and so I'll learn off you, uh, and I'll occasionally say one that you haven't heard or, mm-hmm. haven't, or haven't seen, or will, will have pretended to have seen. Um, and then watch the next night. <laughs> that's true. But your knowledge of uh, books,
1: music, film, and I don't even know what else because we we haven't gone down that path yet is impressive. And that's that's part of the reason why the conversations are so great because it's not always about films.
0: No, nor should it be. Yes. So let's not put that those boundaries on this podcast, yes. Baron. No. This can be about anything.
1: It can be. But it's mainly about film <laughs> for now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, should we get started? What what are we what have we watched this last week, Baron?
1: So, we got together. We went to
0: the cinema and saw
1: Jojo Rabbit. We chose Jojo Rabbit, if I recall, because of all the films that were out around this time. It was one that we thought we could it was one interesting to us both, but that we could also dig into because the directors made some interesting work in the past. Um, the trailer was fun, it seemed like it was going to be a great film. So we thought, what a good place to start. And it's also pre-Oscar season where we've got a bunch of really serious Oscar films coming out, and this one's a little lighter and a bit more fun.
0: Yeah, Taika Waititi. Am I pronouncing him right?
1: Yes, Taika Waititi. Taika. He's a great director who has uh, come... He's, he's from New Zealand. He's come up through a bunch of indie films and then just his career launched when he, got, when he made Thor, Ragnarok, and suddenly he's in this totally different league where he's still making indie-style films but also you know making giant Hollywood blockbusters at the same time.
0: It's been a weird, a weird little trajectory he's gone on, hasn't it? Because it's, it's almost as if he's making these big films like Thor, but it's almost as if he's still... I don't want to say working it out because that suggests he hasn't got his craft right, and I think he has... Uh, but there's a little bit of nice naivety in there, like he's unspoiled a little. I agree. And and I think he's on two journeys at once, one with the direction, which he seems to be getting better and better at, uh, but then he's... The, the acting part, uh, I don't know if I just don't know he's work enough, but it seems like he's not considered himself an actor in the past <laughs> so much. Although he was... He was I don't know. So I think that
1: I would almost flip it. Flip it? I would almost say Ah, that... but But I could be wrong. When I look at him, I think here's a guy who wanted to be an actor and is a better director than he's an actor. And his directing has taken off. And his acting, you could take it or leave it. But he puts himself in his own films when he he can. Not all
0: the time. What else has he
1: put himself in? He was in Thor. He was in... um, Something, what's the, what's the one with the shadows?
0: What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do
1: in the Shadows. He was in What We Do in the Shadows. You know what, though? Taika Waititi could become an actor in his own right. Like, he could become an actor that is then drawn into other films because he's a great actor. I just, I think he might be a better director.
0: His directing has suddenly exploded to be, you know, with, with basically, when you get a gig like Thor, you've, ex- you, you've arrived as a director, and he had a sort of bit part as a voice actor in that. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden he's a known director, but he hasn't established his acting chops. Right. So I guess that's just something to think about with this film because yes. he's he's cast himself in the... Uh, I don't. You wouldn't call it the lead as such, but in a pretty, um, yeah. <laughs> a pretty prominent, a major supporting role. Major supporting role yep. that is is bound to cause some controversy.
1: Now, I heard that he was told that if he was going to make this film, he had to pay. He had to play Hitler. Really? That's what I heard. Don't know how true it is. I kind of don't believe it anyway. Even if it is true, like I sort of feel like maybe he was floating that idea out from the beginning because it's such a it seems like a, like, a, like a great, it just seems like an obvious choice. You know, put him in that role. It's going to be, it's especially with all the work he's been doing about diversity and inclusion, like that straight away is, is like an interesting choice.
0: What's he done with diversity and inclusion? Oh, he,
1: put, he did this crazy ad. Um,
0: As New Zealander of the Year, I'm calling on every one of my fellow Kiwis to help support a very important cause, racism. Needs your help to survive,
1: and uh, he's become a voice in that area. Let's. Uh, why don't we go to a synopsis? We've, we've
0: okay. rambled. We've rambled, we've um, rambled too much. Uh, let's let's start fresh. Give me a synopsis in thirty seconds ish, and we'll we'll rate our synopses at the end and see who gave the best one.
1: No pressure. Okay, so Jojo Rabbit's set in during World War Two, and it uh, follows a young boy, Jojo. He is a fanatic for Hitler. He just thinks the Nazis are amazing. He wa- he really can't wait to get involved in the war. And part of that is being sent off to a youth Nazi Hitler camp or whatever they call them where you go off and, you know, um, practice war things. And this is taking longer than 30 seconds. Anyway, so he, um, he goes off and uh, gets injured really quickly and uh, basically gets his dreams of being in that, being a young Nazi sort of shattered quite quickly because he's bullied and gets injured at this camp. Uh, And meanwhile, he's got an imaginary Hitler, played by Waititi, who talks to him and is our view into his sort of inner world and his dreams and hopes about Hitler and being a Nazi. And then he discovers that his mum is sheltering a Jew in the attic. And that throws his world upside down. And he has this huge conflict where he doesn't want to rat his mum out and get her in trouble because she would be hung, which is what they do to people sheltering Jews. And he doesn't want to let down the imaginary Hitler in his head. And so he's got this tension. And then amidst all of that, he starts falling in love for the Jewish girl in the attic.
0: Wow, that was a good... Synopsis, how long did that take? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I can... look. I think coming second in the synopsis... synopsis. You can take war, some of the best bits, right? I can take the best bits. So <laughs> Pass it. Jojo Rabbit is a film about a boy who idolises Hitler in the midst of the World War II. He lives with his mother. His father's absent. There's a little bit of mystery as to where the father is. Uh, and he's basically... Oh, Do we have a technical difficulty there? I
1: think <laughs> you want to read it? You want to start over? That's right. You can have a start
0: over. I'm gonna have a start over this time. Okay. Cool. We should have done our our homework. Yeah. And just had them written. Really. Yeah.
1: No, but it's better. I think for this, even though yes, I agree that yeah. stops all the redos and stuff. I like. I think there's something to off-the-cuff synopses because when you're mm. walking from your cubicle
0: to the kitchen
1: at work, and someone says. Oh, yeah, yeah, what was that film like? And you have to
0: give them the on-the-spot synopses. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and I think that's why we're doing this podcast, because I'm no good at that. Yeah. So this is just a you know, a way of improving my, my skills. We will become pros yeah. over time. Okay, so Jojo Rabbit is about a young kid in Nazi Germany who is basically torn between uh, being a, a Hitler fanatic and gradually being... Drawn towards um, the Jewish girl who's hiding in his house, uh, he he gradually realises that his mum is helping the, the Jewish cause, uh, and on the other side of the equation, he's got an imaginary Hitler that's in his ear telling him that you know the the, the Nazis rule. You've got subplots uh, like his his relationship with his mum, his relationship with this with this girl. Who's from a different, completely different world from him, and all that comes together in an explosion of uh, of a, a war film meets Monty Python. A war film meets Monty Python, so
1: good. Yes, yeah. yes, I can dig that with a little bit of Sam Rockwell <laughs> with thrown a bit of in. Sam Rockwell, <laughs> who's his own reference. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Ooh. Like you know, you can just say Sam Rockwell, and people know straight away what you're talking about. What do you think when you think Sam Rockwell? Um, the guy, the moon pie guy from The Green Mile, for me, is like the extreme Sam Rockwell, and you can have degrees of that.
0: Wow, that's that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't even know what I, I think. I just think I think Sam Rockwell. Yeah. You, yeah, you're, you're right. He's his own reference. Yeah. So you can't even say Sam Rockwell reminds me of. No. Yeah. Because he reminds you of Sam Rockwell. Mm. I mean, I'm
1: sure there's someone pre-Sam Rockwell who's crazy that we could sort of reference.
0: Well, he's, he actually that's... said that his performance, I saw this on YouTube, that he's, he modeled his performance on basically Bill Murray doing a Nazi. So he was trying, to, I think on his accent in oh. particular, he was trying to be Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Okay, but Bill Murray hasn't played a Nazi before,
1: has he? No, I don't. I mean, he's played, a, he's played he was in Stripes, right? He was, he's yeah. done military before.
0: We're all very different people. We're not Watusi.
1: We're not Spartans. We're Americans with a capital A, huh? You know what that means? Do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world.
0: Yeah, no, I think this was a hypothetical. I he love was imagining it. Bill Murray was doing it. I love it. Could, he, it could even have been Taika giving him that yeah that sort of reference I can't remember because even when Sam Rockwell's trying to do and I can now that you mentioned it, I can
1: kind of see it it's a little more of a subdued performance Bill Murray's his way of doing everything is is like ultra subdued it's almost always like he didn't want to get out of his makeup chair to do the performance like every time it's he, he's just dragging himself
0: through it and that's the beauty of it so he's another one of those that he's just himself yeah and you have to wonder if that's a good or a bad thing obviously we like watching him but it is the same bloke like if you've seen ghostbusters you've seen <laughs> you've seen everything yeah well back to jojo yes tell me something you liked about it
1: i actually really enjoy films where they use fantasy as a way into like a serious world where you could look at it as the, as there's nothing but devastation and ugliness here, but we're given a fantasy to sort of let us in as an audience. So we can actually sit back and enjoy elements of that world, and it's not all just ugly to watch. And I think this film does that really well.
0: Yeah, it sort of protects you. Yeah. It gives you a message, but sort of cuddles you at the same time. Absolutely. But you come out getting getting the point.
1: Yeah. Taika Waititi is a, is a great director to do that sort of thing, because... His sense of humour is so engaging and so much fun and it's so offbeat and quirky that he can present World War II to you and you're kind of delighted by the way he's presenting it at the same time as being horrified by
0: elements of it. So that offbeat and quirky stuff, uh, for me, I think it was overall a win. But sometimes the offbeat and quirky, especially in the maybe the first two thirds, maybe the second third, <laughs> the, the middle somewhere, kind of seemed to be maybe a little too... Offbeat and quirky, like not connected enough. Say so the Scarlet's character would would have some great scenes, but I didn't feel they quite connected in a, um, in a in a in a journey of hers. I just found myself enjoying enjoying a lot of it, but feeling this strange discomfort through it all. Maybe that's just because of you know co- uh, comedy in Nazi Germany. I don't know.
1: I had the same issue at times. While I love the sense of humour and I love the ridiculous sort of craziness of having Hitler being an imaginary friend and being a sort of effeminate, slightly gay-seeming Hitler that's clearly played by, uh, like...
0: A New Zealander. A New Zealander (laughs) who's
1: putting on a ridiculous German accent uh, with blue contacts in and the whole thing's just ridiculous, right? There were times where it felt like that got in the way of the heart of the story. And I think the times there were surrounding the things like the mother-son relationship and when they were talking about the missing father and some of the sort of heavier stuff that um, normally you would, you would expect more of a dramatic approach to, it, that Taika took it a little light and went a little bit ridiculous with it and it felt off. I, I had the same experience.
0: Some of those scenes didn't didn't seem to be doing much for me, like they didn't seem to go anywhere. Uh, but then it all paid off in that critical scene. Say it. If I can say it, say spoilers. It. Yeah. Yeah, when when he sees the her legs dangling and she's, you know, been hanged in the middle of the street. Yeah. And I think all the sort of slapstick for <laughs> me was completely worth it. Yeah. All the ridiculous Hitler Hitlerness was worth it to make that, that moment profound.
1: I agree. Like, I think there was a, there, there, there's a line where you go, I want to have fun of the, with this subject, but I need to at the same time build an arc here where there's enough serious heartfelt moments and there's enough sort of great mother son love moments that when she dies, it punches you in the chest. And I think that's where the tension is. And it's a hard thing to get right, and I think he did a pretty good job of it. But I, there were some things that were a little
0: off. Yeah, you know. But in hindsight, even though I kind of didn't like them on the first viewing, yeah. Let's let's take them riding their bike or her. I can't remember what the scene was, but she was kind of dancing on the yeah. on the wall. Yes. Um, and, and that ends would, with her tying his shoelaces up and making him
1: fall over and just doing. You know, it's cute stuff like that.
0: That's right. Yeah. And, and, and at the time, there was no punchline for me. I'm thinking, nice, but, mm-hmm. you know, but so what? Yeah. Uh, but then when, when we find out that she's dead... Yeah. ...and ha- why she's died and, and all of that, I think I then like those scenes better for ah. not having had a punchline. When, when it all pays off, you think back to it
1: and you enjoy, it, you, you enjoy those scenes more for what they mean. Well, that they
0: feel like memories.
1: Right. They, they they
0: feel rather than like a sketch. A lot of it was sketch comedy. Yes. You know when the Gestapo come in and uh, raiding or you know looking for the you know someone hiding. Yeah. Um, that's a sketch, and you remember it as a funny funny sketch. But those scenes, when you when you when you know what happens, feel like memories, and I think that that's what makes them sort of resonate. That's a great call. You just sold me on them good more
1: because you're right. Memories is the perfect way to describe them. And the whole film is seen through the eyes of a boy who lives in a pretty ugly world and he's created a fantasy and that fantasy maybe includes the memories of his mother because they're almost like snapshots, but we're seeing them from his perspective and they do seem a little bit theatrical. Like, so you you go theatrical sketch wise and then this theatrical kind of dramatic, you know, the mum's almost too perfect. And so they, so now you've just, yeah, I, I, I love it. The whole thing feels like it's his, it's his memories. It's mm. the, it's the whole thing is like life seen through the eyes of this innocent uh, little boy who's essentially good but lives in an ugly world.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd say one step further that the, yeah, the whole film is like I can imagine him no longer being a little boy. So we're looking at the. 90-year-old yeah. uh, bloke in remembering what this whole time was and everything is, is larger. Um, and, and, that, and that makes the whole thing not, not be a slapstick farce anymore. Yeah, that makes yeah. it actually realism in a way because it's, you know, it's a real uh, depiction of the guy's memory.
1: Totally, 100%. And now that you mention it, one of the things that I did think about when we were talking about references for this film was uh, Big Fish for that same reason?
0: It's amazing. My wife gave that reference Did she? to me last night, and I haven't seen Big Fish. Oh, get out of but, town! But I, I, yes. asked, I asked her in prior to this. I said, I, "I think memory has a lot to do with this film." Mm. Uh, what What movies have you seen? Where? And I, I told her what how I interpreted the film, and then she just said straight away, "Big Fish." That's great. So, and she gave me a little synopsis, but.
1: Tell me about Big Fish. Well, Big Fish is, uh, is basically they're all the stories of an old man who's come to the end of his life, how when he was young he conquered the world and did all these huge things. Um, and, of course, over time those stories have just gotten bigger and bigger and more elaborate and more ridiculous. It's that, basically, that idea. Mm. Well, that's, I think that's the same film without yeah. having seen it. Yeah. And all we're missing is the old Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise... It feels like that, right?
0: Yeah, and you and you don't need the jo- like if you have the old JoJo Rabbit, yeah, that wrecks it in a yeah. way, and because it doesn't, you don't need to be thinking, oh, this is this guy's memories, you know. Um, you can just watch the movie. No, it takes the immediacy away from. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So none of that's necessary. It's just a, a nice sort of wanky way to uh, think about. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> think <laughs> totally about. Agree. It. Yeah, I love
1: it. Uh, so I mean, I, I think. Um, We've talked about things that we liked and maybe thought were a bit off. Um, any other final thoughts on the film before we move on to references?
0: Well, just one thing. On the same theme, I guess just maybe some comments on the performances. Yeah. One performance I wasn't sure of was the guy from Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: it's name. The guy that plays Rick. <laughs> um, well, in, yeah. ga- in Game of Thrones, he's, he's wonderful. He steals the show. And he plays in this one uh, Sam Rockwell's sidekick. And I thought he did it fine, but I just felt that he was wasted. It's kind of, for me, the first big role he's had since Game of Thrones and to see him as kind of this bit part player with very little to say yeah, was disappointing and I, I would have liked more from that.
1: Because he's a better actor than that. That's, and, that's what I think. I think so too. Um Alfie Allen is his name.
0: Alfie Allen. Well he's a legend. I love him. Uh but but in this I, I just didn't didn't really buy it and I thought it was just a bit too comic relief that it was not all that comic. Um I think we need to mention the
1: the kid playing JoJo, just what a great performance and what a perfect casting choice for that for that role. Um, his name is Roman Griffin Davis. But that I just thought he did a he did a a great job because it's not an easy thing to pull off. That role requires the perfect amount of innocence, comedy timing, cuteness. I don't know what else, but just it, there's a there's a lot to get right to make this to to make this film come off, and he seems to
0: do it. And that was his first role, I heard. Really? Yeah, I don't think he's a you know a like lot. He's only oh, young. He's hardly going to have got a had a big career. But I think that was his first role. But if you're going to talk about the younger ones, my goodness, um, Thomason, is that her name? Thomason McKenzie. Oh, the girl that plays Elsa. She was just brilliant. Yeah. So we'll talk about what the film reminds us of shortly, but Tyka has dropped a few references himself and apparently she did a lot of back- backgrounding and like study for the role and then his direction to her was just watch Mean Girls and Heather's.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. So, and,
0: and that's... I didn't hear about
1: Mean Girls, but Heathers, yes, I did
0: hear about that. Yeah. So just, just, just act like that. And she kind of didn't. She just, she nailed it. Interesting direction, isn't it?
1: Cause but it but seems, good, great direction. It's perfect. Yeah.
0: But no, she's going places. I, I, I thought she just she's captured fantastic. it.
1: I really enjoyed Scarlett Johansson. I thought Stephen Merchant was great. Um, I thought Sam Rockwell was doing Sam Rockwell, but they're kind of perfect for this role. And I guess maybe the only odd one out was Taika himself. Like, I thought the whole Hitler thing, his way of doing Hitler was so Taika Waititi, like, that's his style. But it just seemed a little too irreverent and crazy at times. Irreverence, maybe not the right word. Like, that's fine. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was his portrayal. I,
0: What what did you think about it? What was your first reaction? Because I think I I went up and down as the as the Mm. film went through. Like when I first saw him, I kind of came in pretty open and thinking this is pretty funny. Most of us would have seen, you would have known what we're getting in for—that we're going to see Tiger Watiti doing Hitler. Yeah. Uh, So it, it was a bit of a payoff straight away. Actually seeing him do it, do it, and I thought that was funny. As it went on, it kind of maybe. I struggled with his accent. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I just wanted to. I didn't
1: want to see him as much as I did. Like you know, mm. it was funny to start off with, but then it just became old. He he got a little old as the film went on. Like I just I was finding it harder to to laugh at to laugh at it mm. towards the end of the film. And when he comes back in the end, and they have this sort of big hero moment for Jojo, where he kicks Hitler out for good. I by that stage, I just didn't care to see Hitler come back. You know what I mean? It just felt a bit anticlimactic, the whole thing. Could that have been their point? Like we Maybe. W-
0: I think we were all yeah. completely ready by that point to kick both Hitler and the portrayal of Hitler out the window. Right. So maybe at festivals it would have got a, a r- rousing... Yes, I'm. I'm
1: sure it would have. Yeah, totally. You're right. It would have. People would have gone nuts for it. Um, for me, it, it fell a little flat. And I'm trying to figure out why exactly, I'm not sure, but it just
0: didn't really have the same impact for me. Would it have been a better or worse film? Like, Did, did you need him? Because I know that this was based on a novel um, and uh, I think a serious novel, I haven't read it. Tyker, I think the story goes his mum had read it, explained the novel to him, he loved it, read it himself and, and realised that it was nothing, nothing <laughs> like how his mum had pitched it. Uh, so he, <laughs> then, so he then made a film how he remembered his mum sort of explaining, uh, explaining the book and then so added... So the book wasn't a comedy but the, the movie is and he you know, added splashes of stuff including a crazy imaginary Hitler. He added the
1: crazy imaginary Hitler? Yeah, so that, that's not in the book. That, oh my God, that's hilarious. He had the,
0: the bones of a story... I love that, and made it comic, and that was one of the ways he did it.
1: My respect for this whole project has just gone up like a thousand percent, knowing that.
0: <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's cool. So cool, and it probably yeah. like it's a great idea, isn't it? Yeah, and it's an awesome idea, and it wasn't badly executed. Like the Hitler stuff hmm. was was fun. Yeah, uh, I agree with you that it doesn't didn't always hit, but I'd probably take it on balance. Probably, I, I probably wouldn't remove it from the script. No, I would either. Not not mm. at all. I think
1: um, I. If anything, and this is being picky, I would rethink the last act and how Hitler plays in it, or whether he comes back. Whether he comes back, if he does come back, how it happens, and particularly like how he's ejected from JoJo's life. That's such. I mean, you kind of. I feel like maybe you have to have him come back Mm. just to to close off that storyline. But the way he comes back could be done in so many other ways, you know. And I think maybe Mm. there's a way that's a little more subtle and a little less slapstick, the way he sort of kicked out of his lo- just like literally booted out the window.
0: Yeah. I don't, yeah. Know. I don't we, know. We'd kind of got beyond slapstick a bit by then. I think we had, yeah. So it was, um, I think I would have preferred perhaps a poignant end to him. Me too. Yes, yeah, so, some, something with a bit of melancholy about it rather than back to slapstick because I probably had my fill of that. I agree. The, the film had changed by then.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does cool let's get another drink because yes, i'm empty you i empty too i've just got glass in my glass i mean ice, ice in my glass. Ice in <laughs> glass
0: okay so this could go downhill <laughs> this could easily go downhill yeah. okay so after after the break shall we call it a break yes uh we will we'll get to the point of the show which is okay we've talked about jojo rabbit what does jojo rabbit remind us of just refreshed our drinks.
1: What are you drinking, Baron? I am having uh, rum and coke from a can. Wow. It is not Bundy, we'll be happy to know. Is it
0: Ali, Bun- Ali
1: Bundy? <laughs> That's right. It's Captain Morgan's spiced rum and coke, which is not classy in any way.
0: Are you enjoying it, though?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's hitting the spot.
0: Okay. You? Well, no, I'm a little classier than that, of course. <laughs> I'm having a vodka Red Bull. Boom. Yeah, so... It's my drink of choice as we, we go on with this pod, podcast. If it, if it goes to episode two and three... It'll still be r- you, Vodka Red Bull you the way. F- you may find that there's a few consumed.
1: Good. Well, we got that out of the way. So this is the part of the show where we talk about
0: the films that Jojo Rabbit reminds us of. This is the crux of the show. It's the crux. This is While well, we named it, that reminds us of. The that whole reminds show me of. is called
1: That Reminds Me Of... Dot, dot, dot. This is the dot, dot, dot part.
0: So... Should we start with you? What does Jojo Rabbit remind you of? Okay, well, I—you may remember—I arrived in the theatre a few minutes late, mm-hmm. uh, so perhaps that's influencing my whole appreciation <laughs> of the movie. But I missed the first couple of minutes, and I—I I arrived when all the kids are standing there getting lectured to by like a drill sergeant type character, played by Sam Rockwell. Was it Sam Rockwell? Um, no, I think it was one of the oh, younger ones. Yeah,
1: you came for one of the younger ones. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, because
0: Sam Rockwell was almost a nice guy throughout it. Yeah. Uh, no, this was one of the real pricks, mm-hmm. um, and it just felt straight out of Full Metal Jacket, like yes. that 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 scene where you know uh, it's just all about bullying, really, and about the, um, I guess toughening them up. But it, I just thought nothing other than Full Metal Jacket. Slimy little communist ship Twinkle cock cocksucker down here, who just signed his own death war I, I don't think I'd be the only one. I, I wouldn't think that thought that, but um, totally. Did you say that?
1: Uh, you know, it didn't occur to me straight away, but as soon as you mention that, now um, it's like a hundred percent there. Yes, absolutely. And that whole setup for Jojo Rabbit with the bullying is so important.
0: Yes, exactly. For the rest of the film,
1: and I can't imagine that any filmmaker. And Taika, you know, in particular, coming at that first part of the film hasn't got something like Full Metal Jacket
0: in his mind when, when he's making it. Well, I don't think you can make a war movie true without uh, thinking about Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, true. Uh, so, okay. I think That's that, good. yeah, actually, and, and just to continue the Full Metal Jacket riff, I think uh, that was also one of those war movies that uh, had a lot of comedy in it. You know, that was a comedic scene. Mm. And it really balanced that comedy throughout the film. And I remember that there was a, a moment where the a moment where it got serious. I can't even remember when, when it was, but when they were really probably more than one moment. But a lot of times when you're, you're in the, the comic sort of brain and suddenly you're having to realize, hang on, this is war, these are real people. Yeah. And I felt that was very much like that shift towards the end of JoJo Rabbit. When nice. it, things just suddenly got real, and and you were feeling the uh, feeling, war like like saving Private Private Ryan kind of war. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's good. it's a
1: great point. And now that you mention it too, um, the the sort of that slow motion famous death scene in Full Metal Jackets that you see. Everywhere mm. and it, people take they sort of do comical versions of it all the time is a little bit like the slow motion sequence at the end of Jojo Rabbit as well. It's wow! Like, now yeah. that I can now that we're talking about it,
0: just popped into my mind. Yeah, Definitely. good one. And the, the immediacy of it. There's a lot of I think it, it feels like every war film tries to be more tries to make you feel more like you're there. Um, and uh, Jojo Rabbit probably wasn't the greatest at this. Yeah, but the the sort of the tone shift was the was one of the greatest I've seen. Um well
1: you know what, we weren't gonna do this necessarily, but now that we're here, I think we should do one each and then go back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah, you were thinking that already?
0: Yeah no Okay com- we didn't com- discuss this but I'm No 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 completely same page. We're one each. Okay, great. We we're, it's a tennis match. Great. tennis match.
1: great tennis match. Over to my side of the court.
0: So Alex, um- <laughs> what did JoJo Rabbit remind you of? I'm
1: gonna start with Roll Dahl. Roll Dahl. Yes. And I'm going to work to work towards some others that are maybe a bit more obvious.
0: So you're starting you're starting with your obscure obscure. I, I feel ones.
1: like starting with my obscure. Yeah, I feel like doing that. Is now.
0: that to sound you know more learned? More you, learned. Yes, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. Let's <laughs> run with
1: that. Let's go with that. Yep. The reason I thought Roald Dahl straight away was because uh, he specialises in the ugly world run by adults through the eyes of an innocent child. That's sort of a Roald mm. Dahl specialty. And if I were to pick one Roald Dahl story that I think maybe is closest to this, the one that came to mind was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. But you could also say the BFG or I don't know. Any of them. James and the Giant Peach or yeah, pretty much anyone, right? Um, But for this one, taking a kid who's really sort of innocent, a lovely child, one that you would love to have as your own child because he's not a little shit, and he's thoughtful, and cares about other people in the world, um, and then throw him into an awful situation where adults are basically the opposite. They're pieces of shit, and they are basically ruining everything around him, and see how he reacts to it, and find some light in all of that. Uh, I think that that's uh, that's what this film felt like to me. It felt like a a film version or almost of one of Roald Dahl's stories and that extends to the slapstick and the, the caricatures that you see
0: running throughout this world. That's brilliant. I completely agree. I hadn't thought of it. Uh, but now that you mention it, I just it, I can't help but think what a big part of a lot of people's lives those Roald Dahl books yeah. played. Like I, I've never thought of myself as a Roald Dahl Sort of guy,
1: yeah. <laughs> but
0: uh, like at primary school, we would have gone through all of those. Absolutely, probably read them multiple times. And maybe it's
1: fresh in my mind now because I'm doing this right now with my daughters. Ah, you know, I'm reading them the books from Roald Dahl's collection.
0: Andy, so. Andy, you and you're getting you're getting an adult sort of message out of them, or you're you're feeling like the kid mm. in an adult world. Uh,
1: yeah, I I, I think. There's an element of that and you're also constantly going, man, these kids are lovely and they've gone through some terrible stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's all driven by adults being... Being assholes, basically. Yeah. Wow. And it's amazing that kids grow up through all of that and somehow survive it without being. Well, they probably do become assholes because that's sort of.
0: Then you've got another movie or another book (laughs) 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 with with a backstory. (laughs) They
1: probably do become assholes in the end. I mean, that's sort of like the message you almost take away from it. All the lovely people in these books are kids, and all the adults generally are assholes with the occasional Willy Wonka, which is like your light, you know, shining light that you might become someone as wonderful Mm. as that. Or Scarlet.
0: Or Scarlet, exactly. Mm. Okay, well, uh. Back to you. One each. Back to me. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Stanley Kubrick theme a little longer and say Dr. Strangelove, uh, just for the history of actors doing crazy versions of uh, Hitler esque characters.
1: I love (laughs) it. So. This is one of the times where I have to be honest and say I haven't seen Dr. Strangelove.
0: Wow, that's a confession. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Well, this is, I probably have to be equally honest and yep. say, yes, I have seen it <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> okay. But not for many, many years. So right. I feel like I'm just remembering little fragments of it. Uh, but the two, the two things that stand out, I would say, is just Peter Sellers' performance. Uh, he played many characters, I think, uh, as he normally did, um, and a bit like Taika, some just sort of funny but uncomfortable. Right. And do I, you know, what am I watching here? And um, But it was a success. Uh, but then I think specifically the, the bit that reminds me of um, a bit of, <laughs> of Strange Love and Jojo that remind me of each other, uh, that iconic thing of Peter Sellers on the bomb, have you seen? Have you seen that? Like where yeah. he's riding I've the atom yeah. bomb or whatever it is. Somewhere along
1: the way, I've seen that. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I can't even remember how it. I think it's at the end, and he's you know, um, it's just a farcical kind of moment. But that that makes me think of Jojo at the end, where Sam Rockwell and Game of Thrones guy, yeah, are there in the midst of the war, in the midst of all the you know seriousness, giving that pose, you know, that that <laughs> really campy uh, flamboyant. Uh, totally pose that just looks like it's the the cinema the 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 movie poster uh, and I just loved it it was great it was a really wonderful moment in what was a pretty whatever narrative arc of those characters I thought yeah but that moment just got me and it reminded me of um of Peter Sellers on the on the bomb love it okay Matt, it's hard for me to admit not having seen that film. That feels like a
1: a hole in my film knowledge. It's definitely I'll, a hole. I think we're going to f- uncover
0: a I'll few more holes for both of us. Damn it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go watch it. Um, back to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth, um, I think, was an obvious one in that... It's set during a really, really bleak period of history, and it's all seen through the eyes of a child and their fantasies that sort of explain that world or allow them to get through that world. Guillermo del Toro's has his moments, and this is one of them. Like he can be an amazing director, um, and just it, you know, it's got a tinge of horror, which I love. You know, I love horror. Uh, but it's also full-on fantasy and then you've got this war happening at the same time and um, just, you know, abuse and all the gross things that adults can get up to. Um, And this innocent who tries to navigate that through fantasy. While it's a much darker view of that kind of approach and Taika takes his in a more sort of slapstick fun way, they're both kind of live in the same universe somehow.
0: Yeah, I think this is the I'm gonna crown this as the best. Reminds me of because I think it's perfect. Awesome. Yeah, and the main girl from from Pan's Labyrinth, uh, the, that relationship with the Fawn, kind of the Hitler character yeah. in a way, who's um, her friend, who's who's encouraging her, uh, and then just becomes uh, becomes ambiguous as to whether he's on her side or not. Right. Um, the fact that even the the single parent. So both the, 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 the child and the mother story, like really the parallels are amazing with that, like um, both absent fathers and both escaping into, into the fantasy world. Next one for me is Sound of Music and I choose that one because of the turn it takes late in the film. Uh, it goes from a fun-loving musical to suddenly an escape Escape movie, yeah, uh, and I don't think when when people think about the sound of music, they don't think about that last bit, no, that suddenly gets serious, you know. Um, but that the whole the whole tone changes, uh, and it's kind of I, I'd say it's a throwaway <laughs> part. I don't even remember it very well, but I know that it it, it um it it just, that the film changes, and that's what happened with Jojo Rabbit a couple of times. Like definitely when um, Jojo finds his mum hanging by her neck. Yeah, uh, But then also, again, when, when they go out into the war, war zone. So there are times when it just gets real and that's what happened in, in, in Sound of Music. That's exactly
1: right. Uh, you don't think about that, but it's true. It happens and aside from the fact that it's set in the same period, it's um, got those other similarities to it
0: that you don't really think about. That's great. Yeah. And it, it, it actually remi- that reminds me of other films of that, that take a turn. Right. You know, just that whole genre yeah. of genre switching. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I think of From Dust Till Dawn. Oh,
1: that's what I was thinking <laughs> of. Oh, my God. Uh, probably that's everyone great. does. Probably From every Dust film, yeah, you know, try yes. hard,
0: film try hard probably thinks of that. That's such a good example, though. That's the perfect example of yeah. genre
1: switching halfway through a film. I, I think so. It.
0: I also love it when when they do that because there's, there's nothing like being surprised and taken from one spot to another. Um, well, I mean, I think
1: for one reason is it's super hard to pull off.
0: Do you think? I think it'd be really tough to pull off. Yeah, I guess.
1: Uh, but, yeah, I don't know why there aren't more of them, which is another challenge that keeps getting popping up, you know.
0: That's, that's the 19, whatever it is. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah.
1: Probably should, but um, before I comment on it too much, but they, they make them every
0: five years. There's like a new single-shot film that comes out. What would be great is a single-shot film that genre switches. Oh, shut up. That'd be amazing. I think we should have a whole show on genre-switching films.
1: Oh, yes. Or films that you don't see enough of that would be great, film styles or things like the genre switch, the single shot.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, okay. Okay. Notes to self. Yes, for later. Notes to selves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh,
0: next one, Inglorious Bastards. Can I share this one with you? Yes, because I've run out. Yeah, so maybe we'll, yeah, we'll take it home with you, and I'll share *Inglorious Bastards* with you. Boom!
1: Sounds good. Uh, *Inglorious Bastards* is a great film. I really enjoyed it. Um, it has one of, and Tarantino calls this one of his his favorite scenes scenes ever written himself. But it has one of the best scenes ever made in film. I would imagine. As That's well. the first one, the first scene mm. with um, uh, Christoph. Blanking
0: on his name right oh, now. Oh wow! Do we have to look it up? Probably. Um, well, he's great. So, Christoph, if you're listening, <laughs> and if your name if your name isn't Christoph, <laughs> sorry, sorry, but we, we blame love it on the drink. We love your work. Um,
1: anyway, it has an amazing scene with him in it uh, as the Jew hunter, Christoph Waltz. Boom. Okay, um, where he uh, he basically. Um, just delivers this wonderful speech about people hiding Jews and finding Jews, and what a, and him as the Jew hunter. And meanwhile, there are the, the farmer he's talking to has Jews hiding underneath the floorboards, and it's just brilliant. Um, so, uh, but beyond that, I think this film is great because it portrays an alternate reality where um, World War, the history of World War II is skewed. Mm. By Tarantino. He comes up with his own version of it. And um, I just think that Taika Waititi's taken taken a piece of history himself and skewed it. Hmm. Not in the same way. He hasn't altered history. I think you could still take JoJo Rabbit and drop it right in the middle of the history of World War II and it all makes sense. But um, he's presented it in his own unique way.
0: I think the film JoJo just reminded me a lot of Tarantino. Taran- Tarantino, Tarantino, <laughs> Ta- a sort of a mix of Tarantino and Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, I guess, because of the color and the just the the vibe of the thing, the outrageousness of it sometimes. But yeah. that also is with Tarantino. I, I I get what you're saying. Specifically, the theme of people hiding and someone coming in looking for them. I I, I could watch those scenes. For the rest of my life, I think they're the, the best, most nerve-wracking scenes you can, you can watch in film.
1: Absolutely, good
0: point. Yes, and that's a big part of this
1: film, of Jojo Rabbit as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. How good was the scene with um, Stephen Merchant? Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was possibly the high point. Absolutely. That's to me where Glorious Bastards is, is most like it. You know, right. because those two scenes just mirror each other but played differently. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You're right,
1: and they're both these heightened, ridiculous fanatics. Yeah. Stephen Merchant's character and Christoph Waltz's character, and they're standing literally feet away from a, a, a Jew who's hiding. It's exactly the same.
0: It's exactly the same, and it works beautifully. Yeah. The tension is out of control. And I feel there are a million other films that do the same thing, yeah. and they're, they're usually good.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: Yeah, uh, but both of these, I think, were particularly good and, yeah, like you said, it's one of the best scenes you'd ever see. With yeah. Tarantino. Actually, I'm not done. Mm-hmm. The Death of Stalin. I haven't seen The Death of you Stalin. You haven't seen The Death I've of Stalin. I've heard
1: The Death of Stalin is fantastic. I haven't seen it.
0: It's, it's set in uh, Russia, so the dictator that we're looking at is Stalin, not Hitler, but otherwise it's similar in that it's got... It's slapstick at times. It's a comedy, but a comedy on a you know, ridiculously sombre theme. There's people getting killed through it all.
1: This is one that uh, I got an invite to go see and I didn't, and then
0: I was pretty devastated oh, wow. that I missed it. This is in your radio days? Yes. Uh, viewers at home, um, Alex used to have a radio show in WA where he's from. He's come to Melbourne and kind of misses it, so that's why he's roped me in. Um, to kind of, to just <laughs>
1: that was a big part of it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm just the
0: stooge, so that he can have his, his radio <laughs> show back. Um, the reason Jojo Rabbit reminds me of Death Death of Stalin is due to the accents, and it's not so much that it reminds me of, but it it's a very different take on how to play accents in this type of film. Right. In in um, Jojo, they're doing these kind of they're German accents, but I would argue that some of the characters do it better than others and most sound a bit odd.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, I agree with that.
0: In Death of Stalin, they, they just don't really try, so they, they're just playing it straight. Great. And I kind of like that, and I, I, I actually wondered if, if that may have worked for um, Jojo Rabbit as well.
1: That's interesting. You know, sometimes you watch something like Gladiator or some film like this and half of them have British accents and half of them are putting on weird sort of half British, half what they think is a Roman accent or something. And Mm. some of them are just American and it's all over the place. And you do think, well, what if they all just use their own accents because this is weird?
0: You know, it's kind of pulling me out of the story. You're never pulled out of the story in this film. You've got people like Jeffrey Tambor and Steve Buscemi, and Michael Palin. Um, and so you've got a whole variety of accents there straight away. Yeah, you've got like a New York that's New right. York accent. You've got a British accent, and they're just they're just playing they're yeah. just playing it, and Stalin as well, just sort of play, like it play, playing along in their own voice. Mm. Uh, and I think that just takes away. A level of discomfort with the viewing experience. First of all, it's uh, reinforcing the fact that this is a satire. And yeah. secondly, it's making it an easier watch.
1: So, part of what you're saying here is that you, you, you've got a reference that is Death of Stalin for one reason, because it's, you know, dictators and making, having a slightly, having a slapstick approach to that. But also, you're saying um, maybe they did it better in a way, because the accents in Jojo Rabbit have pulled people out of the film and there's been a lot of commentary about the accents.
0: Uh, I haven't even seen the commentary.
1: Yeah, there has, yeah.
0: Wow, okay. Well, yeah, th- that didn't happen in Death of Stalin. Yeah. I think they're both good films in their own right. Yeah. Um, A, a different tone with Death of Stalin. It, it's, it's more thoughtful throughout, even though it, it does get a bit slapsticky. Mm. You don't get the flamboyant highs of Jojo Rabbit, I guess, so that's, that's good. And, and some of the comedy out of the accent. So yep. you lose that, which which sometimes works as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Anyway, they're, they're definitely they're it. related. Yeah. Okay, so back to me. I'm going to mention a film that's probably not a great reference. Mm-hmm. And that is Spies Like Us. But there is a scene in Spies Like Us that that popped into my mind instantly. A moment where... Elsa, the Jew who's hiding in the attic, is caught out where she um, has to come down and she t- makes a decision to pretend to be Jojo's sister. And it's at the same time that the Gestapo arrive, led by Stephen Merchant. And there's this whole scene where she's, you know, everyone who greets each other, classic Nazi style, has to go, how Hitler. And she um, is caught up in this thing where she's clearly, you know, we know she's a Jew hiding and she has to hail Hitler every all of the the Gestapo people and I'm doing weird hail Hitler signs with my hands now while I'm describing this Which so no one can see so it wasn't
0: it was impressing me we should just play the clip yeah okay Captain Klinsendorf Heil Hitler 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 you know Freddy thinking Heil Hitler
1: Heil Hitler Heil Hitler
0: Heil Hitler Heil Hitler Heil Hitler Heil Hitler Heil Hitler Heil Hitler so did I miss anything?
1: So, I'm watching this and laughing because it's funny, and it's just bringing me back to this film that I saw—I don't know how many years ago—Spies Like Us. And in that film, there's this great scene where the the two leads, who are these uh, terrible spies, who are, have basically been sent to um, Afghanistan and then Russia as decoys, so that the real spies can do their job. Um, played by Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. They um, end up in a, in a tent full of doctors, where, and they're pretending to be doctors, and the scene plays out in exactly the same fashion. Where- These
0: are our newly arrived surgeons, Doctors Trowbridge and Greenbaum. Doctor? 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 Doctor, 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 and doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Why don't you gentlemen relax? The tribes planning a raid on a Soviet tank division tomorrow. There'll be plenty for us to do then. Doctors. Doctor, 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 doctor,
1: doctor, doctor, doctor. 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 Doctor? 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 We're not doctors. So um, I just thought uh, as a piece of comedy
0: that works uh, and it's been done once before in the world. It's the same scene. It's basically the same scene. It's the same scene. Yeah. I found myself wondering how many other times it's been done. Mm. Like I just felt that. Confession, I haven't seen Spies Like Us, but I've seen the clip now that you've shown it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same scene. Yeah. But seeing the, that scene in Jojo Rabbit, even though I hadn't seen Spies Like Us, I I still thought I've seen that before. Right, okay. So yeah. I don't know where... Yeah, but it must be a it must be a thing. I'd, I'd love to do some research on yeah. just how how many times that well, joke has worked.
1: And it works. It
0: works. It'll and I, it'll work it works, again and again.
1: But it does. This the the repetition of it, the ridiculousness of it, and the fact that everyone's willing to play along with it. Maybe that's part
0: of it. Just the fact that they're all willing to do it. It's got that thing of taking the joke too far, right? And that isn't always funny, but it can be. Exactly. I've got a random one. Great. Jojo Rabbit reminded me of a Monty Python sketch where John Cleese is playing Hilter. <laughs> <laughs> so he's b- basically it's after World War II yeah, and Hilter and uh, what are the others? That's already funny. Va- well, of course it is, <laughs> but variations on the other on the other names: Michael Palin, Terry Jones. Yeah, rest in peace, who just died. Um, I miss that. Oh, yeah, okay. it's crazy. So th- they they're all. Nazis after World War II and just find themselves in this cafe or a house or something <laughs> and just <laughs> pretending not to be Nazis but giving it away with every, everything they say. Yeah. But the obvious parallel is some, some clown doing a fake Hitler. Yeah. Uh, but really I think, and I think I've heard um, Taika say this, that he was inspired a little bit by Monty Python. Yeah, not that, not that skit, but just the the vibe, the whole vibe, the vibe of the thing makes sense. And and this is just a specific reference. I don't know what you have to search on YouTube to find it. Oh but it's, man, I'm I think that up it's straight away. Monty Python Hilter. I guess so good. Uh, but yeah, that's
1: funny. If you just describe that Hilter, it's after World War Two. They're pretending not to be Nazis, but it's so
0: obvious that they are. That's funny. Straight away, I love and, it. And back onto the accents. Yeah, the accents are hilarious because they're they're similar to Jojo Rabbit in that they're kind of German, but they're just a funny German Pommy mix.
1: Yeah, and they're totally played up. They're Over-time. played up. Yeah. Um,
0: I kind of wish that Jojo Rabbit had done that a little bit more because sometimes I felt like they were trying to get the accents right.
1: Interesting, and yeah.
0: and not quite nailing it. Whereas if they'd really not tried at all, maybe that would have been better. I'm I'm not sure what the intention of intention was like clearly they weren't trying to be perfect german accents but um i quite like like it when they're really not trying (laughs) i love it that's great
1: well i think we should wrap up and move on to what we're going to do next
0: so baron jojo rabbit that's a wrap that
1: is a wrap so we should be honest with our listeners that um some time has elapsed since we did the rest of the recording for jojo rabbit right Because the world
0: has changed, become a new and terrifying place. Yeah, I feel we we um, we ran out of puff with Jojo Rabbit there, and we forgot to uh, record our ending. And then we sat on it for a couple of weeks. And in those couple of weeks, coronavirus took over the world and was the most most watched film uh, globally. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Yeah. So that I
1: mean, the first episode was a learning thing for us like it wasn't a straightforward uh recording situation like it took us a bit of time to figure it out and then the editing took a bit of time coronavirus happened we were like promising each other we would do episode two and um the world was upside down and it took us a while but when we finally got there we thought we better re-record the ending of uh this episode so that's what we're doing right now it's not actually we're not re-recording we're recording it for the first time (laughs) that's right and part of that was that we didn't know what the next film was going to be that we were going to talk about. So now we know that because we've just recorded the next episode, which is weird. So should we just talk about um what
0: next the next episode's film is going to be? Well, the next film that we will talk about is Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Is that it?
1: Yeah, that's it. You got it, man. Director Bong.
0: Director Bong, as we refer to him. Because yes. Of stuff which you'll explain in the episode in the future. That's right. And uh, we'll <laughs> talk about Parasite and the films that we are uh, reminded of when we watched Parasite. And it'll be all the same hijinks that you've grown over the last 45 minutes or so. How long was it? Yeah, about that 47. 45 minutes or so. All the things that you've grown to love, you know, from the banter of Baron and the doc talking about films. Oh, but you guys can They wait remind for us. Of. <laughs> no. They Another 45 be. minutes of this gloriousness. Yeah. So just just go straight on to the next episode and you'll, <laughs> you'll just get more of this crap. Look, pa- Parasite's a cracker. It's going to be great. Trust us. Mm. You can't we say would. that it's a cracker yet.
1: Cause you, we, you know. Okay. okay. It's, probably, it's
0: probably a cracker. Stay tuned for what we think about Parasite next, next episode. Absolutely.
1: See you later. Good talking to you, Doc.
0: See you, Baron. It's
1: been a pleasure. Bye. Catch you, man.